I think that we cannot underestimate the importance of the influence that we are making every day on, on the kids that are around us, whether they're your kids or the kids that are around you. Like what we choose to eat, what we choose to do with our free time is influencing what they will do later in life. So teaching, education is so critically important. Influence our kids for the better. You're listening to the Forging Theory Podcast, a show dedicated to bettering lives through fitness, nutrition, and inspiring stories from athletes of every stripe. This episode is brought to you by AZOPT, the CrossFitter's choice for physical therapy in Phoenix. With convenient locations in Goodyear, Buckeye, Glendale, and Tempe, their team of doctors are not only experts in biomechanics, they are themselves CrossFitters. Their knowledge and expertise of what it is to be a CrossFitter sets them apart. At AZOPT, you will only see a doctor of physical therapy, and you will never be handed off to a less qualified tech. If your body is not functioning at its best or you are experiencing pain, visit their website at azopt.net for your free CrossFit assessment. That's azopt.net. What's going on, sweet people? This is Coach Riley, and today on the Forging Fury podcast, alongside my friend Michael Gray, we have the biggest man in the building, Peter Edgett. The guy, the myth, the legend. I'm so excited to have him on today. Thank you. I'm, I'm honored to be here. I've, I've enjoyed listening to you guys so far, and I've been looking forward to being on this show. This has been a long time coming, for yeah. sure. I'm excited. It has. You, you had something come up that's made it hard for you to get, get you on the podcast. Why don't we start with that? What, <laughs> what's been your issue? Why haven't you come on yet? Just, just some little happenings at home. Uh, my wife and I are proudly brought home our uh, twin girls. She uh, she delivered a little early, and so we spent some time at the NICU, and uh, we brought the girls home up after about eight weeks in the NICU. So we're adjusting to home life now with three children under two years, two years old. <laughs> yes, and you're standing upright. You're not tired and sleepy right now, which <laughs> yeah. is a, a miracle. I mean, as long as you can get one hour of sleep at a time, you can you can get by. Nice. Well, there's there's research out there that kind of like micro sleeps are the way to go, like smaller windows of sleep. Have you experimented it, with any it, of that? It's unfortunate because right before this, I was really delving into the importance of sleep and the association of <laughs> lack of sleep and Alzheimer at later age. So uh, that, that's weighing on me a little bit. You're going on the <laughs> other end of the spectrum. Now. Yeah. Uh, more sleep, sleep deprivation training, if yes, anything. Yeah. yeah, you're like Navy SEAL training right now. <laughs> so I, I so find sleep deprivation to be like a patience training because when you're awake, my patience when I was tired never. It was so hard to be patient. Mm. And you know, you've got you don't just have the twins. You've got Arlo too, yeah. and that's it's a lot. Three kids is a lot. That's how they train the like the like special forces is like sleep deprivation. So that's that's like kind yeah. of the craziest variable to play with. Karen and I might be representing USA one day. You never <laughs> exactly. know. That's right. That a whole bunch of moms on the on the special forces from sleep deprivation. That would be awesome. That'd be awesome. Yes. So Peter, the girls are home. Um, if you want to, well, let's talk about um, let's talk about the girls. Let's talk about yeah. how that one came about and the. And if we can, if you don't mind, let's not talk about how that came. About. No, no, no. Well, we've been we've been there before. We had Tracy on, dude. We talked about all That's the true. stuff on Tracy. That's true. I have pictures if you guys want. <laughs> oh God, I'm afraid. So yeah, I mean, again, we're just super honored. A uh, uh, child rearing and uh, a family life is, is kind of new. We we were grateful to have Arlo 
almost two years ago, and that was a blessing. And my wife has always wanted three kids, and so when when she was pregnant with twins, it was really a dream come true. Pregnancy was pretty good, but you know we knew that there's a greater chance for complications. And uh, as we got to the six month mark, we started having having some issues, and we were on bed rest, or she was on bed rest, and we were in and out of the hospital, in and out of the emergency room quite a few times, and. You know, it's it's funny because you anything with birth, as as Tracy talked about, you know, you can have these plans, but you're really not in control, and uh, that the children make, you know, they're the bosses, they're in control, and mm-hmm. and so we're we're in the emergency room, and they're like, hey, you know, we're just we'll stay here for another week or so, and then we'll try to go home and be on bed rest, and like two hours later, the girls are here, and just it it was a whirlwind, um, you know, a lot of fear, a lot of emotions, a lot of just unknowns, and. Uh, thinking about like with Arlo and how I, we, it was a very easy pregnancy, easy delivery. Um, this, you know, everything went wrong, went wrong in, in quotation marks, but, uh, <laughs> the beauty was the, the, uh, the, the fury community was there at every step of the way from, from our, uh, triage admittance in the emergency room, having fury members taking care of us to nurses in labor and delivery to the neonatologist to Tracy Burns shooting down there whenever we'd <laughs> ask. And, it it was um it was the most comfortable comforting emergency experience we've we've ever had. That's awesome. Yeah. Nice to have good people. And from what I know about you, you like things planned out and you like things a certain <laughs> way. So how how was having to deal with the uncertainty? Uh, you know, I'm sure that there were things that you were thinking. You know, when my kids are born, this is what I want to do that I now couldn't do. And how did you deal with that? Yeah. And, and yeah, you know, t- looking back, you know, hindsight, uh, but thinking about Arlo, we had just such a set plan between how the delivery was going to go, how we wanted the birth experience, and, and most of that went wrong, um, but we were at least able to take him home the next day, and we really controlled almost every aspect of, of his infant life and, and, you know, turning him into a toddler. The girls, we were completely out of control, and you really just have to accept it, but, but again, we always fall back on the fact that the neonatologist is one of the closest friends we have that the nurses you know we had relationships with like the evening nurse was a gal that we've known for almost 10 years and so people would ask you know are you able to sleep how are you dealing with not having your kids there well it was basically having them with family mm, so it was an in-house experience it, it was yeah and, and honestly we slept wonderfully we were so i mean the the NICU experience could not have been better and uh you just you you have to let go and let the process unroll and you know while you do need to trust in, in the physicians and the medical community, you really need to continue to be advocates for your children, you know, because there are always multitudes of, of options and opinions, and you just have to make sure that you are asking the right questions and, uh, and, and you know, doing your own research and, and, and advocating for what you want. Because there were some times that we had to push for differences in treatment because we didn't want, you know, so many courses of antibiotics or we didn't want these these choices being made so but other other than that it was it could not have been better yeah and a good doctor a good hospital staff they'll they'll they're used to that and they'll they'll listen and yeah that's good how's arlo liking the girls you know uh he's being an only child he's used to uh un you know continuous uh attention from us so that was an adjustment but i mean really from the moment we brought them home you could see the love in his eyes and he's just initially he's a little rough with his kisses and his pats (laughs) and throwing drills at the girls or (laughs) showing him all his tools 
but he's getting better every day and it's it's cute like the first thing when he wakes up typically he wants his bottle because he's thirsty and he's hungry but now he looks for the girls to go give them a kiss that's it's, awesome it's amazing that's yeah sweet you'll see probably a full swing with him within the next couple months it's yeah. gonna be crazy i'm excited for him he's gonna be a good big so brother if you guys don't know like arlo is like my timestamp of being with fury as well yeah. so like as soon as arlo was born this is when i moved to arizona and like started to uh coach at fury so like arlo is like watching arlo grow is like the longer time i've been here with fury so it's kai too so kai malachi rachel cannon's son like yeah. they were born pretty close so as i'm watching them age i'm like wow i've been here for a long time wow yeah so peter the the story that i think people want to know and, and what i want to know as well is like the roots of fury so like what happened like what happened for you to start start this great thing that we have here yeah so you like know, from day one like what happened so you know day one probably started a decade before the actual day one and it was just a lot of the the choices and decisions i made in my life but uh for you guys that don't know or for you guys that do know uh i was in recovery for from drug addiction in my young or late teens early adult life and i had found that fitness was really a a, a method to to stay clean and stay focused and so I was uh, I'm also a firm believer in idle hands or the devil's playground and so I as I as I got clean I'd spent a little bit of time uh, incarcerated and as I was out of that I got clean I was I enrolled in a community college pursuing a math degree because there was just so many levels of mathematics to, to do that that was keeping me interested and busy and then I started hanging out at the uh, the college gym and just doing typical weightlifting but you know not not so much bodybuilding but just you know trying to get stronger trying to be more capable. And I was, uh, you know, out of interest, I took a physiology course because I just wanted to learn more about it. And I think about that same time, I, uh, I had gotten challenged to run a marathon. So I was just finishing up that program. I I'd ran the PF Changs, and it was a, a miserable experience, but at least I can say I've done it. Um, and I, you know, in that physiology course, I had approached the professor, and I, I just shared my desire. Like, I, I want to be good at running, but I want to be strong. I want to be pretty well-rounded. And this was like two. 2006, 2007. And he just directed me to the CrossFit.com website for workouts. Do you remember that guy's name? Yeah, Joe Marzit. Was he a CrossFitter himself at that time? No, he, he actually, uh, he was running a, like a sports um, fitness training mm. uh, franchise in Scottsdale. So I actually did an internship for, for him. But my, uh, my, my lifting partner and I, Marcus Neal, who you've Marcus. met. Yeah, yeah. So we, uh, we looked at the website and we seen these workouts and we, hey, that looks pretty easy. So we both worked at a, a small commercial gym nearby where some other people worked. Kelly McGuire worked, uh, Amy Brancy worked, Cole McGuire worked there. And that's where we got some of our initial team. But we, uh, we came in on a Sunday, I think the gym was closed down and, uh, we, we tried out our first CrossFit mm. workout and I, it was Cindy. And mm. I remember Marks and I looking at it being like, Oh, this will be easy. We'll get like 30 rounds. <laughs> and then I remember specifically probably like seven or eight minutes in both of us hands on our knees, like looking at each other, just absolutely dying. Mm. And it was really from that moment on that we did not look back. And so this was a small independently owned gym and, uh, you know, we immediately jump in and I'm immersing myself in the dot uh, com website in the journal, trying to learn as much as I can. It was good timing for me because I was in calculus at the time and learning about differential or not diffy Q, but learning about uh, calculating area under the curve and, and um, 
the, that sort. And that was when CrossFit first came out with their definitions of fitness and their definitions of health. And if we think about your capacity across broad modal domains uh, as your fitness, and you think about that capacity over time being your health, and it's all about how much area is under that graph, um, that was the same things I was doing in calculus. So I, I really, I, it connected with me and I understood it and I believed in it. And there really were no other definitions of fitness around, no matter where you looked on the internet. It, ba- it mainly went off of uh, appearance or body composition or these individual health markers that, you know, when together are give a good definition of health and fitness, but by themselves were, were not uh, all encompassing. So uh, we were just training. And again, in a small little commercial gym, there wasn't the type of equipment that we needed. So I started buying things on my own. You know, we bought a rower, we bought a GHD, we bought some wall balls, and uh, we were training in the corner, training out back. And that went on for a while. In fact, within about six months of starting, uh, the 2007, the inaugural CrossFit Games were announced. And so Mark and I decided to sign up. And uh, we packed up a little Ford Frontier pickup truck I had. We brought a bunch of food, brownies and Gatorade and <laughs> things like that. And a, a bunch of people cooked us, you know, things to eat. And uh, we made the trip out to Aromas. It was, uh, luckily we left early because we broke down probably 100 miles outside of town. But we made it there. We camped on site. Dave Castro had to come help us set up our tent because we couldn't figure it out in the dark. And it was really just, I mean, that was the moment where we were in it for, for good. There this was is 2007, 2007, correct? The, the first games, yeah. So I think there was about 35 athletes there. And, uh, you know, all these people that we'd watch videos, you know, the three girls, uh, Eva, Nicole, and Annie, um, obviously Greg Glassman, uh, Greg Amundsen, like all these people that we were looking up to on these videos there we got to meet and uh, build, start building relationships with. We also met uh, some initial affiliate owners because at that time there was maybe a hundred affiliates around town or around the around the world, and so that was something that we really started to get interested in. We left uh, the games very motivated. We we continued to train in that small commercial gym and uh, continued to buy equipment. And we come back 2008 the following year, and we went from 35 athletes to I think it was like 300 athletes. A wow. significant growth in 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 uh, quantity of athletes, and then the, the caliber of athletes significantly increased as well too. And so it was leaving 2008 that I was really committed that I need a better place to train so I can try to keep up with these guys. And that, alongside a Sunday afternoon at that commercial gym, you know, it was probably 6,000 square feet full of all this really expensive equipment, treadmills, and all those, you know, like Nautilus weight machines and things. And I think there was probably five people in the gym on a Sunday afternoon, and four of them were waiting in line to use my one wall ball because we had started a little CrossFit program there. You know, we were doing, I think the workout was Karen or Kelly or, or one of those and that really made me realize that, you know, I think we can do it. You don't need all this equipment. You need coaching. You need programming. And you need passion. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that was probably like June or July, maybe August of 2008. And within three, four months, we signed a lease. We built our first pull-up bar, and we opened up shop right down the road. Nice. Did it, did it, did it happen? It seemed like it happened fast or like, and then you're in your spot and... Yeah, you know, like the process of, of, of getting things going was pretty quick. I, uh, there, it was a group of four that were partners, TJ Barber, who's with us now still, his wife, who has moved on since then, and then myself and a girlfriend who's moved on since then. Uh, we were all just training together, and uh, we went in on it together. And, you know, the, so the process of getting started was, was pretty quick. Again, it took us less than six months, and, and the build-out, you know, our tenant improvements only took us a month. Uh, TJ, and our, TJ and I are both pretty talented uh, at building. 
So we were able to do that. Uh, and the growth rate back then was much different than it is now. People really did not know about CrossFit. We, uh, we brought a few people, maybe less than a dozen from our, our old gym, but really, you know, it was just people that were starting to train CrossFit off of the .com website. They were looking for affiliates. And, uh, I think at the time there was maybe six or seven in Arizona. I was, uh, I was disappointed because CrossFit Phoenix, that name was taken. I mm. oh, I want to be CrossFit Arizona or CrossFit Phoenix, but yeah. those were gone already. And so uh, TJ is the one who came up with Fury. We were uh, we were trying to find something that had to do with like heat and sweating and just hard work. And when he when he came up with that, I, I really it sold me on it. Nice. And, and anger, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what did I just do? Yeah. yeah. Furious. All right. So you opened up the your first spot. Like, tell us about the first six months. Like, yeah. when the when you first got the ball ball rolling, what was the programming like? What were the people like? Did yeah. you see a big influx of people? Like, just tell the initial six months. So we we all had full time jobs or other jobs. I was tutoring uh, math students at a uh, tutoring center down the road. They TJ and his wife were engineers, and then my girlfriend was a realtor in the real estate field. Um, so we all worked and we shared classes. I think we probably had like four or five classes a day. We had an early morning, a mid morning, and then a couple afternoon classes. And it was, it was slow. We probably averaged like three to six people per class. So, you know, we were in the tens of members, 40 or 50. And I was managing membership on a spreadsheet for probably close to a year. Um, you know, the goal was just to end with a couple more people every month for the first close to a year, we really followed .com websites because uh, back then being in the games and having that relationship, they would send me the programming ahead of time. We could do workouts. We could send our results in. We could send videos in and you'd be featured on the website. So we would just, we'd see what was coming. We would program alongside with it because we really believed in that, in the concept of constantly varied. Um, and, and our, actually our schedule mimicked that too. So like there were times we were open on Sundays and there were times we weren't open on Tuesdays. You've been we, playing with the day of the week. Yeah. yeah. We followed three on one of off. Yeah. yeah. But then, you know, sooner or later we realized it was a business and we needed structure. And so we made that change to Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, rest on Thursdays, Friday, Saturday, rest on Sundays. And that was, that was probably about six months in. And, uh, shortly after that, we, uh, we would just follow the uh, the big picture CrossFit uh, programming from like two months behind, and then we'd make variations. We'd add in additional skill work, kind of like what they're doing now with the programming. You see how they have a workout, but then they have like 15 minutes of gymnastics work before or after, and that was basically what we were doing then. And this is every year, the first couple of years you guys are going, we're going to the games each year too. Yeah. So like, was there a moment that you saw like when the games are catching, roll, like catching steam that the membership increased yeah. or like people, I mean – people definitely started to know what CrossFit was at a faster rate. Yeah. And did you see that, like, coming back from the games or anything like that? Definitely. There was always a lot of energy and a lot of a lot of momentum following the games, and that, especially, like, 2010, 2011. Um, we, we started in 2,400 square feet in our, in our, when we first opened, and I want to say it was about a year, year and a half later that we took on the Bay Next Door, so we doubled our, our space. And this was the time that we probably made the most strategic uh, uh, program change in our business to date. And that was when we started our basics program. Because up until that date, we were doing some some form of on-ramp, whether it was three one-on-one -on -one sessions or six one-on-one -on -one sessions or indefinite one-on-one -on -one sessions until you were ready to integrate in class. But within about a year, year and a half, we had athletes that were such high level or they had made such progress that it was really hard to integrate some people into class with them. There was just too much variation between ability levels. 
And uh, we started a beginner's program when we had that second bay. And that's really when growth took off for us. Yeah, I feel like you can take p- care of both sides of the spectrum there. And I, and I love coaching basics and I love coaching CrossFit. But when I can teach someone the right way to do something from the beginning, it, it just makes a huge difference. Like, to, uh, like teaching like foundational movements and foundational strength and like that serves them so much more going forward if you can get them right in the beginning. Yeah, and you know, to our fellow affiliate owners, I think it's so important that we we take away all obstacles for people to join. So having specific times that they could come in for their one on ones, or having mm-hmm. this cost barrier, like there there was a, a variety of barriers that we were creating by having this on ramp, and starting basics, they could walk in and start and begin learning how to squat and begin learning how to push up and do some jogging. You know, day one. That really made it easy for us to bring new people in and get them get them on the program. Well, I think that's very important too because I mean, my brother got for his birthday a gift of, of a month of CrossFit, and yeah. he went to go sign up at his local CrossFit place, and they had the, their beginner class. Their their intro was like the third Tuesday of the month at a certain time. Yeah, mm. and he had a meeting the first month, and then he had some like a baseball yeah. game for his son the second month. So it took him two months to get in there. So I think that's huge. I think that if affiliate owner, owners could listen to what, the advice you just gave, that's yeah. that's going to help bring people through the door and get people in where they need, you know, at the, at the base level where they need to be. No, I want to, I want Peter to tell this story about this YouTube video that he showed me. Uh, this happened, I don't know what year this was, but it's him and his training partner, Marcus. And they're both have these pair of rings on a, on a, on a, on a field goal, like a football field. And yeah, I'll let him tell the story, but yeah. it's really, we should use the YouTube video. We can find it. It's that hilarious. Cool. I haven't seen it yet. Oh, so I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm so looking good. forward to it. Peter, there's tell only, us about there's that. There's only workout. like a million views on it. <laughs> it's um, such a great video. So, you know, we, we, we would always do track practice every Saturday. That's something we need to bring back. Um, actually, I'm trying to build a track. Um, <laughs> So Marcus and I, because this was before an affiliate because we did not have a place to hang rings. We would hang our rings from a squat rack. So you'd be like in an L position sitting on the ground trying to do a muscle up. And that was just real challenging. So the best place we could think of going is go to a football field and hang your rings from a goalpost. So we set up a little camera. We did 30 muscle ups for time. And everything was going well. You know, the, the goalpost was wobbling a little bit. You know, it was hot out. It was summer. And probably around like 24. 324 reps we start getting yelled at from across the field it looked maybe it was a football coach or one of the coach one of the athletic director ish people started yelling at us like assuming that we were vandalizing the place and he's <laughs> this thre- is hilarious this he's is so funny he's threatening to call the cops on us he's yelling at us but he's not moving that fast because he's <laughs> he's a little limited in his fitness and uh, <laughs> we look over at him you know we look at our rings we're like hey we're almost done i got three more <laughs> and uh and so you see us just knocking out our last couple of reps as this guy's just continuing to yell at us it was it was pretty funny you can oh, you're man. literally watching marcus and and, and and peter do these muscles which are strict by the way this is not a kipping like there are 30 strict ring muscle-ups and this guy in the background I'm just like, hey, get off that thing. <laughs> hey. And they're like, I got three more. That's it, awesome. We definitely have to find the clips. That'll be a good Hilarious. promo. Yes. What high school was that? Where were you? Don't say it. Yeah, don't say it. <laughs> well, it, it was in the West Valley. <laughs> it might have West in its uh, yeah, in its name. Maybe. <laughs> maybe maybe you motivated that guy to get in shape. He's maybe, like, I can kiss those guys fast enough. So yeah. I can yeah, we weren't worried about getting caught, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was just one of like one of the cool things you showed me when I first got here. And then Another thing that I've noticed, especially since I've been here, like Peter, you have this like big, big vision, like mindset. And for me, like I don't have that. So like when I see that in you, I really, really love it. And like I'm slowly trying to do that myself. 
but like did you have that idea or the idea that fury would become what it is now in in those beginning months like how did that yeah so it's a process riley like i definitely didn't start day one with this vision but there you know i i had a vision of what we were trying to build initially and there was this key moment probably three or four years in when i had recognized that we had reached that vision and really what it was is i wanted to have this facility where we could train very high caliber athletes, people who are potentially going to the games or are on very high levels of their sport, as well as, you know, very new, very deconditioned, sick people even, and help them achieve, you know, greater levels of health and greater levels of fitness. And, you know, there was a day where maybe I come in the afternoon and we have some super talented athletes lifting big weight or doing muscle ups. And then we have some very new people like learning how to lunge or just learning, just walking laps around in the gym. And uh, from there, that along with the impact that we were making in people's lives. So, you know, as again, taking a step to our affiliate owners, there's so many times where you can essentially be burned out from running a business or just dealing with, you know, obstacles in, in life or in business. But then you'll get this one member that maybe you don't have, you know, a significant relationship with, but they just share with you the impact that you've made in their life or in their family. And it really motivates you. It helps you recognize the, the big picture of what you're doing. And that's so important for any business owner is to not get caught in the weeds. Like you, you need to make sure those, those, ops, those tasks are being done, but you really have to focus on the big picture of where your business is going. And so after so many of those comments, you know, really recognizing that, that health change, I, I, had to, I had to take the vision to the next level and, and really think about how we're going to impact the community on a greater level. And so that's when I began taking my initial vision of this training facility where we have athletes of all calibers, people getting healthy, people getting super fit. And and what can we do from there? And it's really a, a merging of fitness with the medical field and and focusing on the community and our future generations. Cause that that really is what's important is is our youth and these next generations. And I think you definitely have a good reputation for that because uh, I invited a college friend of mine who lives clear out in Mesa to come to Fury nine one one and she came to compete. And when I first said it, uh she told the people at her gym that she was going to sign up. And they said, well, where is it? They said CrossFit Fury. And clear out in Mesa, like, oh, that's a great place. That's a great gym. So you've, you've obviously built yourself a good reputation here in the Valley. Um, other than just kind of your commitment to, to quality and to fitness, what else would you attribute that widespread you know, respect that you have, especially here in Phoenix and probably across the nation, I would say? You know, I've, it's easy because, you know, it's easy for CrossFit affiliates or any any affiliates of business to be in a competitive mindset. And I've really tried to avoid that at all costs. Like it is not worth one ounce of my energy to worry about what another gym is doing or, you know, even if they, they, they start with us as members or, or, or uh, trainers and then they go and open up their own gym, like good for them. They're, they're impacting more people. We're making more people healthy, but they receive zero of my energy worrying about what they're doing. Only assuming that they're doing good. You know, if they're, if they're being detrimental to the CrossFit name, that will take some of my energy. But otherwise, like just focus on what we're doing, focus on what the impact we're making and focus on the, uh, the success of our athletes. I think that, um, definitely well, I mean, You've been doing this for 12, almost 11 years now. Yeah, we're going on 11 now. So, and I just think that like when you do, when you have that mindset of focusing on what you can do and what's in with your realm of control, like that's huge. Like when you're, when you're constantly distracted or like constantly thinking about what other people are doing, you're missing like what, what's yes. right in front of you. Uh, and I just, I feel like we, like we do our best to 
to do what we can in our in our house and not worried about what anybody's house is like. Yeah, that's that's so true. Just head down, putting in work. And, uh, you know, I sometimes I question, like, maybe is that the right thing? Like, should I be more vocal of a uh, advocate or what have you in the community and try to make more of a name for myself? But last year or two years ago when we hosted the Open and uh, I was talking to Greg Glassman at, at another gym that he was speaking at, and he made that comment about a, a being an unsung hero, I really recognized that that was the right course of action action like just focus on what you're doing create something incredibly special and that's all you need to do so in talking about your vision and what you've accomplished in this 10 almost 11 years now what do you see the next 10 years looking like for fury for you for even the sport like what does the next decade look like in your in your vision yeah i really want to provide some ownership to the team for what they've created with us and so you know i'm not going to be able to run crossfit fury forever and so i I, getting buy-in from the team, they need to have, so, I want them to have a sense of ownership, but I really feel like they need to have real ownership in it. So working on this transition process where I can start handing off like actual equity of the business over. And then I really want to own our facility. You know, I'm a, uh, I'm a, I'm a builder. I like to say, I, I like to create things. And so I just have these visions of a facility that is much more energy efficient, much more just better layout, just the flow of how classes run and better use of space and uh and then again that integration within the community of, of medical uh providers or youth you know whether it's tutoring or schools or you know just some form of education and then i'm um, even thinking about the senior population too because out here in the west valley even though the uh, majority of the mean age is like 38 there is a there is a significant retirement community out here so trying to serve that population a little bit better yeah, get Pebble Creek in here. Yeah. Get those guys in. I love I love the idea of though building a place where you're not you're not a box where you're trying to fit a CrossFit gym in there, but you're trying to build something around a CrossFit gym, which exactly. is just a different approach. I love that idea. Definitely. And then let's let's dive into I know we talked about having it on another episode, but let's kind of talk about Wellspring Park and what what how that vision came about <clears> and and where we are now. Let's let's talk about that. Yeah, so so that point, you know, three or four years in where I'd recognize that we had reached that initial vision, I started thinking about what's next. And it was really this uh, health and wellness campus, this health and performance campus, and the, the idea of having a few acres where we could have some outdoor fitness amenities, like a 400-meter track, maybe a pool, maybe like an obstacle course, um, just various uh, facilities to host things outdoors. And then, you know, not a significantly larger space because we have 15,000 square feet. I don't think you need much more than that if you do potentially you have so many members that you don't have that connection with so that was actually something i should touch on uh just taking a step a stop for a moment is um you know initially i was really focused on growth like let's get to 600 members let's get to a thousand members but you lose you lose the connection and you have so many sub clicks that it could be potentially detrimental if your management is not effectively in place so i have shifted my my uh vision from being this just you know huge huge hundreds of maybe thousands a thousand people to staying at finding that uh that sweet spot of membership that that covers your expenses creates a profit but then finding ways to train people outside of the gym like corporate wellness and and teams and things so so i don't want to go bigger per se i think i want to i do want to have more training floors so we have two main training floors and then a kind of small accessory floor that we use for dance but probably having three full-size floors so that we could have three classes running simultaneously with some personal training or small group training on the side and then um you know again incorporating those those uh, other res other um tenants if you will of, of medical or like office space etc definitely love that yeah 
Yeah, do you think that um, going forward with uh, with Wellspring or making those connections with the health industry, I think that's something you're really passionate about. I see you light up when you talk about it. Uh, tell us about your involvement with CrossFit Health or like where is that going forward with you? Well, I'm sorry, right? I realized I got off track there and I didn't answer your original question. <laughs> oh, so it's okay. hold that question. Let's, let's go back. So um, <clears throat> so we reached that point and so I have this vision of this health campus and I was just a big proponent of it. I was working with uh, uh, brokers trying to find our piece of land. I was working with contractors and developers trying to price out the building and really finalize or design the building. And uh, I, fortunately, the city of Goodyear has been big supporters of us. I, I had a great relationship with the, the previous and the current, but the previous city manager, he was somewhat of a mentor to me. He helped me write my first business plan. Um, and he was just always a phone call away if I needed some direction or advice. Um, and so, you know, I was, I was always talking about, hey, I want to develop here. What about this piece of land? What do you think about this? And then one day he gives me a call and he mentions this city project that I potentially will be involved. I should you know be interested in. And so uh, I met with he, uh, a CEO of a local hospital, and then uh, a few other community leaders. And it turned out the city had purchased 130 acres right down, the, I mean, literally a stone's throw away from us that was flood control land. Like it was non, non-developable. And uh, the city is donating, if you will, or providing it for a, a health park, a, a wellness park. And so um, I got the opportunity to get on board with these these hospitals and a few other uh, local leaders in designing. And now we're trying to break ground of Wellspring Park, which is that that health campus. Mm-hmm. So my my small vision has turned into something much bigger, and they were they were really just right along the same page. Mm-hmm. And how many acres is that looking like right now? What's the size of that? So the the total, the, the actual size is 127 acres, but what we're doing is we're developing it in phases. Uh, so we're working on a 10-acre uh, pilot project, which will be a uh, fitness center with some accessory building and then an outdoor obstacle course and a 400-meter track. Nice. And so we will be propositioning or selling that to city council in December and hopefully breaking ground shortly thereafter. Wow, that's I'll let, crazy. I'll let you guess who the uh, private developer will be. Oh, let you guess. I don't know. I don't know either. Me either. We'll have to find out. Yeah, yeah. I guess. I'm excited. Um, yeah, so bringing that forward, like, I mean, I think that's realms. That's huge. Like, that idea is just so, like, big picture. And big picture, like, it's something that I struggle with. How, like, like even now, you, you've taken this idea and now making it bigger. Like, did you develop that? Or is that something that was an innate in you? Or, like, yeah, have you always been, like, a like a big thinker? Yeah, that's a that's a good question, Riley, and I hope I can answer that. Um, <laughs> I've I've always I I don't want to sound arrogant, but I've always been somewhat of a visionary. Like I've always had these visions, whether it's a pull up bar or you know remodeling my house or you know expanding the gym. Like I'm always able to create these these concepts in my mind and then bring them to fruition. So it's taken. I mean, literally, it's taken six years to get to where we're at, and I only have conceptual designs at this point. So things will continue to change, but it is it is something in my mind that is always kind of working on these concepts and these pictures, and then I, I try to figure out a way to bring them to reality. And now I just I'd like to express how outside of my league and outside of my experience I am with this project. Yeah. You, know, you talk about not knowing where to start. Well, I definitely don't know where to start. And you know, I, I mentioned I joined the board of Wellspring. Well. Over the course of like a year and a half, I've now stepped into the chairman role. So I'm leading this board and I have like big time CEOs and things and city managers that are on this board that I'm trying to lead. And uh, I lean on them and I try to learn from them every opportunity I can. But it is every day is kind of new ground for me with this project. Yeah. And you were talking about not 
Riley not being able to like seeing the big picture is kind of hard for you sometimes. I'm a little bit the opposite. Like I'm a big, big picture guy, but when it comes to boots on the ground, how do I get that? Like that's where I falter all the time. And even in my fitness, right? Like I have dreams about what I could be, but then, you know, I have to have dinner and then what do I, do I make the right choices or no? And that's, that's a hard, the hardest thing to learn. Being a dreamer is, is easy. I yes. think. Yeah, accomplishing your dreams is such a hard, hard thing to do. So getting that order of operations or that that action plan together is is the hardest part for me as well. Yeah, yeah. I I try to I struggle between and this is everyday life for me is like being present and being here and like enjoying the the now. But like, how do you not worry about what's going on five years or even a year down the road or six months down the road? Like, I struggle with that, like being present, but then taking care of the future as well. Like mm-hmm. how, how do you do that? How does one do that? That's like the sad guru comment exactly. right? that we dealt with. Like if you, you can't, maybe you can't just always live in the now and yeah. maybe it's a good idea to, I think, I think I just heard a quote and it was on Rogan. He was talking about a man has two lives and the one ends when he realizes he only has one. Ooh, nice. Whoa. Yeah. Maybe we'll bring that one back up to light, but Let's like, it. well, it's just like, I don't know. Like, how do you balance that? Like, I don't know how, how to balance being present and being, planning for the future like like i don't know like peter what do you think well i that question could be phrased in so many so many ways like how do you balance being an athlete riley as well Mm. as having a social life Mm. like kind of just not well one day at a time (laughs) like you're all i'm always learning i think you just you need to have this this end goal and then try to break it down with steps whether it's five years out one year out etc but yeah, I don't think I could answer that for you because I don't know. I guess either. it's always going to change too. It's like always that changing, end goal is yeah. going to change. So I guess maybe not being rigid in that goal, but like being willing to put in the work to get towards the goals at the same time. Being flexible, being fluid and having small achievable goals. Yeah. Smart. Yeah. Give me like nothing gives me more anxiety when someone says like, oh, where do you see yourself in five years? I'm like, no. <laughs> don't ask me that. One, I think surrounding yourselves with people like like the CEOs you're working with is helpful too. And if you can find people that you can trust and you can bounce ideas off of. That's a good thing. Yeah, most definitely. Oh, let's dive back into that question I asked you a while back. CrossFit Health. Like yeah. where, how, how did that get going, get the ball rolling with that? So, you know, again, we kind of had our head down and we were put in this work and we had just kind of naturally developed these relationships with uh, some family physicians and pediatricians in our area. And we were working on ways to collaborate together. And again, trying to not be arrogant, but we were really sharing a lot of these more effective forms of health. Like it's, it's not about fat content in your mm. food. It's about carbohydrate content, you know, exercises is not that challenging. We just need to do big multi-joint movements, you know, with somewhat intensity, fairly regularly. And, uh, and these relationships were strong and together we started to see a lot of great results and there was some cross-referencing or cross-referring going on. And so, um, you know, that really helped build my vision of, of our, of our project where we have these physicians on site. And I honestly was not truly aware of CrossFit Health until we got the open mm. and uh, Greg came down to talk about it. And I'm like, you know, we, so they um, they reached out and said, hey, if you have any physicians you'd like to bring down and listen to Greg talk, you know, that'd be great. Like yeah, that's seven. awesome. Seven. Yeah, I, I think, How many people I think come? I think we had 10, yeah. nine or 10 uh, MDs in-house. And so that really caught Greg's <laughs> attention. And so that was really the beginning of my involvement with CrossFit Health. You know, right now, um, it's, it's really unique. Um, 
CrossFit HQ, they are really surrounded by some very bright people. And uh, they they don't, like like with the affiliates, you know, they, they provide some concepts and let us run with it and see what's working, what works. And that's really, from my perspective, what's going on with CrossFit Health. You know, they are sharing these resources, sharing this knowledge, and they're seeing what works, you know, what, what do uh, leaders in the community implement and how does it work. And, and then I think you will see something a little more structured come down the road. But, you know, right now we're just, you know, coming up with ideas and trying to put them in place and see how well they're received and see what kind of impact we can make with them. How are, or what are your thoughts about uh, the shift from CrossFit being mostly like the sport of fitness to now kind of this reframing, like this whole thing of them getting rid of regionals? Like, what are your thoughts? I don't think yeah. I've ever asked you that question. Yeah. Um, so big picture, I support it 100% because I feel like we've already proved that we're the fittest athletes in the world. You know, that was like 2009, 2010, that that was the, the focus. And I think it was well achieved. Well, now we are proving that we are the most effective form of health. Like if you need to get healthy, like this is the way to do it. Um, it is sad to see the change, you know, change is always hard and, and challenging, but I think few years from now, we'll look back and it won't be nothing. It'll be better than it ever was. But obviously these first years are, are challenging and there are some growing pains, but, and you know, obviously I'm sad to see some of those personalities leave because we've grown up basically mm. with a lot of those guys in regionals and the games and, and those, uh, those announcers and whatnot, but they will, they will find their way and they will be more effective at what they do. They'll be just as effective at what they do next. Mm. So do you think, what do you see the, like, the, what do you think of the sport now? Like now that they're going towards more of the sanctionals and get rid of originals, like, do you think that's a better, you, do you think that would have suited you better back in when you were competing? It's a good that question. Level? Um, I think it is, it is a smart move because if we think about the resources that they were pouring into regionals to highlight, you know, dozens of very high level athletes versus the resources they could commit to thousands of individuals finding health, like I think that is a much more effective use of their resources. Um, would it have suited me better? I think so because there were times like, it was 2009 where I did not qualify at mm. regionals, but then they did a last chance qualifier and I did qualify. Wow. I won that. So I think having more opportunities to, uh, to, to compete and, you know, gain these spots. I think that that's a smart move. They, they know what they're doing. You know, they have, again, they have some of the smartest people I've ever met uh, up there at that top level. Well, I think too, you're saying Riley, you're just at the granite games. Yes. I mean, those sanctional events are going to just kind of, row on their own right yeah. they're going to kind of fill the gap that was left behind when crossfit was controlling yeah it. i think it makes it more of like a, a season now like for the athletes like you can look at your calendar year and be like hey like we got we can maybe take two or three really good shots at the games if we want to make it like you can hit this calendar like okay maybe three times a year we're going to try to make it make the games instead of having all of the responsibility and everything coming down to regionals like I like that concept too, but like giving more opportunities for the athlete to, to make it, I think is good for the athlete, maybe not as good for the fan of the sport, but I think like it's getting so it's hard. It's yeah. getting harder because everyone that shows up to those, those events that are in it to, for the games, like they're going to rip someone's head off for the shot to go to the games. It is a different world out there now. Yeah, definitely. I, um, yeah, I'd experience, I mean, when the, the granite game experience was, was amazing. Like, I mean, it, it, I was underestimating how much it would take effect on my like mental, like central nervous system, like through the three days. I mean, even with the games, it was like four and five days, like getting your body warmed up, giving your mind prepared and then going out and doing a workout as hard as you can, like 150% effort. 
and then like winding down from that and cooling down and then having to do that again like that doing that three days in a row like full effort for maybe 10 minutes like even with a team of four i can't imagine how it was like on you individually like tell us about like some data like games experience like how'd that feel yeah you know those comments about that that cns exhaustion it reminds me of 2010 it was our first year in the stadium first year you're not on the ranch like the first glimpse of of professional athletes and uh event one was i think it was thursday night maybe friday night and it was in the stadium and it was Amanda. So it was a short, you know, not high volume, but fairly high skilled workout. And I, I want to say my heat went at like 8.30 or 9 p.m. I literally did not sleep that night. Mm. Just so fired up. And then <laughs> we had to come back out uh, to the to the field. I think it was like 7 or 8 a.m. for that Pyramid Double Helen. And uh, that, that was a pretty challenging day. But, you know, I think as you're as you experience that more and more, you you just kind of learn what warm up process you need and you really do the minimal warm up needed. Like mm. you'll see non experienced athletes do way too many reps backstage or way too much of everything. And then, you know, that volume adds up, even though you're not going hard, like just every rep counts when you're thinking about maximal effort multiple times over a weekend. Yeah, I it, it was incredible to me by Sunday afternoon. I was my body was like. I was like, I'm not sure, like, if I can get warm. Like, getting yeah. warmed up and getting your brain and your body ready to work on the same page, like, that's hard. It's really hard to do, and it's a skill that, like, you see in these individual athletes that make it look so easy, and they don't really tell you about, about that, about that part. Yeah, the mind game is real. Yeah, those, those people out there are savages. <laughs> do you think having a team helped you kind of get more mentally prepared, or was that it, it's if you hard. just by yourself? And I think Peter you? has some team experience and some individual experience. Like, when you – when when if everyone's not on the same page and I'm not saying that we weren't, but like in sync, there's like on the same page. And then there's like chemistry, team chemistry, the more that we could maybe develop that team chemistry and like everyone being on the same page, knowing people's strengths, knowing people's weaknesses. And like when shit hits the fan, like, what are you going to do? That just comes with time. I think like that's it. That's what was missing for us is like, okay, when things get crazy, what happens? Right. Yeah. Team is hard in its own way because you are relying on multiple people. It's one thing if it's just you, Mm. like you only have to worry about yourself. You only have to worry about your performance. But if you let people down or if Mm. other people don't do as good as they they thought they would, like (laughs) there are weird emotions associated with that. So uh, being on a team is fun. I really like it, but I would always prefer to be an individual athlete. See, that's the total opposite for me. I'd much rather be a part of the team than an individual. You like having Rachel yell at you is what you're saying? I like Rachel verbally abusing me like for nine (laughs) events. Rachel, if you're listening, to this i'm still sore for all the words <laughs> i didn't even know she could talk like that a mother of two with those th- that type of language how dare you why do you think drew's so tough <laughs> exactly i was say the whole weekend i was like man drew you're a saint dude like <laughs> god bless you yeah so peter basically we like to end these things with like a and like a message a word of the wise and it could be about anything it could be about this could be about that like what do you think people need to hear right now Dang, you guys put me on the spot. I should have prepared for this. Uh, I would, <clears throat> I think that we cannot uh, underestimate the importance of the influence that we're making on this next generation. I think, you know, we're at a uh, we're at a turning point potentially in society where, as a whole, we're going to go towards that Wally idiocracy type future, mm. or we can really recognize the the errors that we're making and teach our, our, our young and teach our kids to not do that and live healthier lives than we were provided. Or 
you know, it, it, yeah, it could go nowhere fast. You could double down and yeah. make it even worse. Yeah. So, so the, uh, the mission right now, the tagline is building a brighter future. And I think that comes through education and leading by example and just showing your kids and the kids around you what it means to be healthy and what it means to be, you know, productive people in society. I feel like that's a huge priority that people maybe in the last 30, 40 years have put behind, like leading from the front and being an example you want for your children. Like, I think like if people, if you don't, you underestimate of what your child sees you do and like what they see is what they're going to do yes. as well. So, I mean, if you're on the, on the couch eating pop tarts, like, what do you think they're going to do? But we said pop tarts again, dude, oh, we sorry. said we weren't going to do that. <sighs> Never mind. What could have been potato <laughs> chips, but That's it was pop tarts. But, and that, and something I really love about fury is, is the daycare. Like you can put that on, like I, I've never seen anything like that before. So whoever put that together, engineering wise, Thanks. great idea. Thanks. But like the kids seeing the adults, like I'm sitting there watching like this morning, Saturday morning, I'm coaching and there's three or four kids lined up on each side of the daycare through the windows, just watching their parents work out. Like that example that they're setting for their children, like the ripple effect that that's going to make, like, I don't, I think that you underestimate at times the ripple effect that you're, you're making. Mm -hmm. Like you've changed probably like hundreds, thousands, people's of lives, but that person's life that you changed can set that example for someone else yeah. and then someone else. So it's like the ripple effect, the butterfly effect that Peter Edget has made <laughs> on people is wild. Like, I don't think that you should underestimate that at times. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, right. it definitely is. I mean, even for me, I, I've always said, even on this podcast, I was the best at having the before pictures. I could always, you know, I, I was the dreamer, right? I knew exactly where I wanted to go, but I've no, had no idea how to get there. And I still have a ways to go now, but this is the first thing I've ever done that's gotten me anywhere near any level of fitness. And I, I just love, I love the environment. I love the way it's structured. And I think it's definitely a testament to uh, what you've created, but even what CrossFit is as a whole. Yes. I just love the system and how how it works and how it motivates, especially people like me. And I want more people to, to try CrossFit. Every, Hashtag. every time I see Greg Glassman, I thank him for the opportunities that he's provided. Mm -hmm. You know, like what he started and what he's continuing to advocate and fight for, like this is what's providing us the uh, the, the the opportunity, really. Mm -hmm. And then I'd just like to take a moment and give you two guys a shout out and Whoa. just let you know Sweet. how, how <laughs> Proud Fury <laughs> and I am of you and what you guys are doing here. Mm. Thank you for this. This was a great idea. And uh, <laughs> you are going to help that butterfly effect continue to grow. And we're going to impact way more people than we would have in person because of this. Yeah, see, and, Riley, this is your big vision right here. That's, yeah, maybe it is. This yeah. is it. We, did, you we got didn't it. know what we were doing, but we're doing it. And then in, finally, I'd like to give a shout out to my beautiful wife nice. and uh, every th amazing thing that she's doing with our children and just the fact that she was able to start our family and provide me uh, these wonderful kids. Nice. That's the best way to end it, I, I think, right there's there. There's nothing else to say there. <laughs> Why don't you just close this up, man? Yes. We just want to thank Peter, our uh, our captain, uh, what are we called, commander-in-chief. You know, he's 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 here. He finally gave us an interview, and it's been great, man. Thank you, Peter, so much. We appreciate it. Thank you, guys. This has been the Forging Fury podcast with my friend Michael Gray. Uh, what I need you guys to do is to scroll down and give us a review. Give us five stars. We're trying to reach more people. Your friend's grandma, your grandma's friends, and also her weird uncle. We'll see you soon.